Well, hey, I'm so glad to see you for church this weekend. I know you guys are all working hard with school and getting in your new routines. So I wanna reward you today with a really funny video. We're talking today about the times in your life when you set out to do something and then you realize that you can't. Now, I wanna assure you as you watch this funny video, no one was harmed, everyone survived, and you have permission to laugh as these guys wipe out trying to do something that it turns out they can't quite do. Let's take a look. Love that. You know what I love about those wipeouts? Every one of them started with so much confidence. And we've all wiped out like that in life, haven't we? You start a new job and you're like, oh, I'm just going to nail this. This job's going to be great. I'm going to love going to work every day. And after six months or a year, you're like, oh my goodness, what am I doing? Or maybe your marriage started off like one of those guys going up that ramp and you're like, boom, we're rocketing to the moon. This marriage is going to be amazing. All my dreams are coming true and it has wiped out live long enough and you will encounter some good thing that you try to do and then you discover that you can't. Here's the question we're wrestling with today. Where in your life do you feel like you just can't? Maybe it's in your parenting. Maybe it's in your finances. You're like, you know what? I just can't stop spending on my credit cards. Or maybe it's some other addictive behavior where you're like, I know I shouldn't be doing that. It's not good for me, but I just can't stop. Sometimes there's things that we know we shouldn't do and we can't stop. Other times there's things we know we should do. It's like, you know, I, I should be reading my Bible. I, I really should be doing church every weekend instead of once a month. Or I really should be leading my family as a man, as a husband. There's these nudges that God kind of nudges us in the heart. I'm like, yeah, I, I should be doing that. But then we wipe out and we just kind of give up. We just feel like we can't. And it's not that we don't care. I mean, I know whatever area in your life you're identifying, like, yeah, John, I just, I can't stand up to those cool kids at school who make fun of me for being a Christian, or I can't forgive my spouse. I, I know you want to do the right thing. I know you do, but I can relate to when you want to do what's right. And it's just so hard. It just feels like, yeah, I want to do the right thing, but you know, I either lack the willpower or I lack the resources. I just, you know, as much as I want to do the right thing, I, I can't. I've tried and I've failed. And now I look at that thing and it just looks impossible. Where is it that you feel like you just can't? I know this must be how a little shepherd boy, David, he must have felt when he faced 
Goliath. Now you've heard the story of Goliath. This is not the real Goliath here. They did not have cameras at that time, but this is what I imagine Goliath must have looked like. And I just want you to think, I want you to put where that face is, whatever your impossible situation is, where you're thinking, man, I, I know, and you know, I know I need to do the right thing here. I need to get in a small group, or I need to start serving, or I, I really need to change this thing in my life, but it just seems like I, I can't. Wherever that thing is, God brought you into this moment in time to hear from his word, because God wants to tell you how you can do that thing that you could never do on your own. What Goliath is making you feel like you just can't do the right thing and as you identify that, I want to take you into the true story of David and Goliath. And I want to point out something that you've probably never seen before. Well, let's start at this moment in 1 Samuel 16. It says, as the Philistine moved closer to attack him. So you just saw the picture of that huge, huge guy. This is a blood-stained mercenary, a professional killer who has killed hundreds of people. And I just love this line. Because we know David, not only was he much smaller, but he was much younger. He's a shepherd boy, and sure, he's used his sling to kill a bear here and a lion there, but he's never killed another person, let alone a warrior who's a seasoned, seasoned soldier. And so David does the most unlikely thing. When Goliath moves, moves toward him, David ran quickly to the battle line. Did you ever play dodgeball in elementary school or middle school? I remember at my school growing up playing dodgeball. The teachers would put the dodgeballs on the middle court line in the gymnasium. And then all the students would stand at one end or the other. And when the gym teacher would blow the whistle, we would all sprint to the middle and grab the dodgeballs. And inevitably, every time, the fastest runners would get there first, not only the fastest, but the strongest and the most confident and those, those guys would always get there first. And the rest of us, we'd all be like, ah, ah, just trying to survive, right? Do you know that feeling? Well, that idea of a line in the middle, that's exactly what this battle line is. It's a line that's drawn between the army of God's people and the army of the Philistines. And these two armies are lined up and there's this no man's land in the middle with this battle line. And as Goliath just steps forward, David sprints out there. Like one of these super confident dodgeball players, but he's just a little shepherd boy. What is giving him this courage? And then we know the story how David pulls that stone out and he swings his slingshot and God directs that stone right into the middle of Goliath's forehead and he topples over. And I don't know what Goliath you're facing. And this may seem a little gruesome, but the reality of that story is David then picks up Goliath's giant sword and he knocks his head off. You know, there's sin in your life. God wants to knock the head off of it. There's, there's in your life, there are things in your marriage that the enemy's using to keep you and your spouse apart. God wants to just sever the head of that thing. He wants your marriage to be the best it could be. There are things, Goliaths in your life that are holding you back from being the person God wants you to be, from experiencing fulfillment and purpose 
all the things that God has for you, Satan wants to stop and he will send Goliaths into your life. But just like David, you can actually run quickly to meet those opponents and you can completely triumph over them. Now, I want to tell you something that maybe you've never heard before about the story of David and Goliath. I'm going to take you back just one chapter, and it answers this question. How could little David, a shepherd boy, defeat a grizzled, seasoned warrior? And how can you defeat the Goliaths in your life? How can you break through the barriers and the dead ends in your life, the areas where you know what to do, but you just can't? Well, here's the answer. 1 Samuel 16 says that a prophet came to David. This is when David gets anointed that he will become someday, after a lot of waiting and testing, the king of Israel. And it says that he anointed him, and from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. Now, this is really interesting because the Holy Spirit, wherever the Holy Spirit appears in the word of God, he brings power. And what's so phenomenal for you as a follower of Jesus is that the Holy Spirit is available to you just like he was to David. Now, in the Old Testament, this wasn't normal. In the Old Testament, the Spirit of God would come upon specific people like David, Samson, others who did miracles and had special feats of power, the Holy Spirit of God would come upon them. But when Jesus arrived, he gave a promise. He said that when I go to heaven to prepare a place for you, it'll actually be better for you that I'm not physically walking on earth because I will send my Spirit. And my spirit will be for you, a guide, a counselor, a comforter, but even more than that, an empowerer. The same spirit of God who took a singer, songwriter, poem writing shepherd boy. Think about this. You read the Psalms that David wrote. This guy was in touch with his emotions. He's this sensitive singer, songwriter, and the Holy Spirit of God comes upon him. And he keeps all those gifts, but the Spirit of God gives him a power, a power to face off with a seasoned killer and know God is in me, and so I'm going to prevail. So I'm not just going to go out there and kind of do my best in this battle. I'm going to dominate my enemy because the Spirit of God is upon me. Here's the reality for you today as a follower of Jesus, where you can't God's spirit can. Earlier, I encouraged you to ask God, where is it that you can't? You feel like maybe I can't be the husband that I need to be. Or I can't be the follower of Jesus I need to be. I can't be the employee I need to be. I can't manage my finances the way I should. Or, you know, my kids are, are making these decisions that are really dangerous and I, I can't redirect them in the proper way. Wherever it is that you can't, God brought you here today to remind you his spirit can. And so what I want to do in our time together is I want to give you an introduction to how you can experience the spirit of God in your life. And this is something that I'm so passionate about because uh, for a number of years after I first trusted Jesus and I was growing in him and I was reading the word of God, I was part of a small group for a number of years, I had not yet experienced the power 
of the Spirit of God. And once I did, it transformed my life. It doesn't mean that I don't have bad days anymore. It doesn't mean that I don't ever sin and mess up anymore. But what it means is whenever I do have a bad day, I'm able to call out to the Holy Spirit and experience God in a way that I never did prior to that. It also means there's a power source. You know, some days I'll be here preparing for a message and I'll just feel like, you know, God, I, who am I? I don't feel like I could preach your word this weekend. And, and God always reminds me, my spirit is in you. Call out to my spirit. Trust that I've called you and anointed you. And I'm telling you, in the same way, God's spirit wants to become a daily part of your life. In fact, I love this verse from Galatians 5. It says, walk by the spirit. Walk by the Spirit. And I love that idea of walking because, you know, walking is something that's learned. We forget this as adults, but when we were kids, we didn't know how to walk when we were first born. When I think of walking, I think of my firstborn, my son, Jack. Because when Jack was learning to walk, we lived in Arizona. There was a lot of ranch land around us, and I would take Jack on these really long walks. And so I have so many memories of holding his little fingers and him toppling over, and slowly, day by day, week after week, month after month, him getting stronger and stronger to where he could walk on his own. And, you know, God makes us short when we start off so that when we fall over, it doesn't hurt as bad. And he would tumble and he'd get back up. You know, it's been the exact same for me as I've learned how to walk with the Spirit. And I wouldn't claim that I'm a master marathon runner when it comes to walking with the Spirit. But I have learned to at least stumble my way along like this. And it's been so life-changing for me that my prayer for you this weekend is that you will just make it your prayer all week long this week to say, God, I want to learn to walk in your Spirit. If you'll learn to walk in the Spirit of God, it'll change your life. When you walk in the spirit of God, you will hear and see the visions that he has for you. And I don't mean that necessarily you'll literally see something. Maybe you will. Maybe you won't. I don't usually. But what I mean is he'll put things on your heart. He'll put things on your heart about your freedom, about your family, about your career, about your legacy. He'll put things on your heart about serving others or about bringing his kingdom into your neighborhood or into your family or into your workplace. And it's as you walk with the spirit that he'll prompt you to do those things. And then you'll step out and you'll realize, God, I can't do this. And you'll call out to his spirit again. And just like little David sprinting toward Goliath, you'll sense, oh, God is in me. And even if you stumble a little bit, as you learn to walk in the spirit, as long as you keep getting back up and saying, God, I want to learn to walk in your spirit. I really want to experience this in my life. He will teach you to walk. God has given you good desires and God wants to fulfill those desires for relationship, for fulfillment, especially the desire to see his work expand, to see lives changed for good, to see Jesus lifted high and his word preached. He's given you those desires. And as you'll obey him and walk with him, you don't have to be perfect to experience the power of God in your life. You just have to be consistent. You just have to keep saying, God, I want to learn to walk by your spirit. I'm convinced that tragically many Christians never get to experience this. And, and sometimes I think it's because they haven't been taught it. 
You're going to learn it today. So if you don't choose to reach out to God, that's going to be on you. But I'm, I'm telling you guys, you got to have a walk with the Spirit of God. Well, some of you might be asking, John, I thought we were in the book of Acts. Why are you talking about David? Isn't that in the Old Testament? You would be correct. Let's go to Acts chapter 1, and we will look at our theme today. This is really the main character, the Holy Spirit, in the book of Acts. And you may recall that after Jesus rose from the dead, he said to the disciples, wait in Jerusalem. And then he said this, as you obey me by waiting in Jerusalem, you will receive power. Do you notice that? The same word power that we saw with David in the Old Testament, power is always linked to the Holy Spirit. You'll receive power when? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. In other words, you won't have power to do the will of God until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, as followers of Jesus in this era, the moment you trust in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes to live within you. So you have received this power. It's now a matter of discovering how to utilize this power. It's almost like you hear those stories of, you know, a farmer who for years and years farmed his field. Little did he know he was sitting on top of an oil field worth millions of dollars or a diamond field. And, you know, one day they find a diamond in the ground and it turns out the whole field is full of diamonds. This is what the Holy Spirit has been like for me in my walk with God. Oh, yes, it was a joy to have my sins forgiven and to know I was adopted into the family of God, to have a purpose, all those things that I was initially taught. But when I started to read the book of Acts and I was in a small group and we started to say, let's pray and just say, God, we want to know your spirit. We want your spirit to be unleashed in our lives. And by the way, we didn't do any wacky, weird stuff like you sometimes hear. We just prayed that sincerely And every single one of us has now lived a life where we can look back and say, yes, there's been pain, there's been suffering, there's been difficulty, but there has been the power of the Spirit of God in our lives because we said, God, we want this. We want this power of the Holy Spirit. Now, we've looked at this verse before, but I want to point out some geography in this verse. Make a mental note of this. God says, after my Spirit comes upon you and gives you a power that you don't have in yourselves... You're going to spread my word and the church will spread from Jerusalem and just mentally note these two places throughout Judea. That's kind of like saying Hendricks County and in Samaria. That's a whole other region. Okay, just note that because eventually we're going to see the church spread into exactly those areas because of the power of the spirit. Well, here's how it started for this group of believers in Acts 2 verse 1. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. They were meeting together. You know, when David got anointed with the Holy Spirit, his brothers were there and a prophet was there. Almost every time, even Jesus in the Gospels, the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus when he was publicly baptized. There's something about groups of believers where the Holy Spirit very often shows up. If you're not yet in a group of believers, we'd love to get you in a group this very day. Well, suddenly there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. I love it because the word spirit is the Greek word for wind, pneuma. Well, then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of the believers. Now, to be clear, I haven't experienced this part myself, okay? But that's okay. There was a purpose for this. Now, listen to verse 4 of Acts 2. 
everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. And what did that look like at this time? Well, it looked like this. They began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Now, what a weird thing, right? I mean, let's be honest. Like, why other languages, God? This is strange. Here's why. Because they are on mission to tell people about Jesus. And there's people in Jerusalem who don't speak their language. And so God gives them the power they need to do what they're called to do. And this is where you'll experience the Holy Spirit in your life. Some people get hung up on this and they say, oh, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you have to be able to supernaturally speak a language you don't know. Well, maybe if you were in Jerusalem in 34 AD, maybe. But maybe if you're right now living in Indiana in 2020, what you actually need is the power to invite your neighbor or the power to read the word of God or the power to say no to temptation. The Holy Spirit isn't about languages alone. The Holy Spirit will empower you to do anything that God wants you to do for his work in the world. You could put it this way. The role of the Holy Spirit in your life is to empower you to do God's will. Did you know that God has a good, pleasing, and perfect will for your life? And nothing, no power of hell can stop you from doing the will of God in your life. No person, by the way, can stop you. And you're like, oh, you don't understand how controlling my mother-in-law or whoever else is. No, nobody can stop you from doing the will of God in your life because the Holy Spirit is in you. And as a result, the only being in the universe who can stop you from doing the will of God in your life is you. The only person who can stop you from doing God's will is you. If you'll step out in faith to follow him, his Holy Spirit will show up. Even if it requires doing a miracle, he will do that. Well, you might be saying, John, does this really work today? I mean, what is this actually like today? And I could tell you so many stories from my life of times when I didn't know what to do. And in, in dead ends and in frustrations and facing Goliaths, and I've called out to God and I've said, God, I'm, I'm trying to serve you. I'm doing my best and I'm either failing over and over again or I just don't know what to do. I need your spirit to show up. I need you to guide me. I need you to open a door. I want to tell you about one day when I was praying that. And I was just saying, God, show us what to do. Show us as a church. Give us some kind of miracle. Do, do something that reminds us all that you're alive and you're at work. And that day, God brought to my attention a family in our community, Kevin Byron, a firefighter. And I want you to see what God did through you all in Kevin's life. And after you see what he did and we give God the glory, I want to tell you how the Holy Spirit used a chain of people, not just me, but a whole bunch of people who each said, oh, I'll be led by the Holy Spirit. And as a result, this miracle happened. Let's go ahead and take a look. All right, Travis, thank you. A Brownsburg firefighter now on a ventilator suffering from the effects of coronavirus. His friends and family keeping a watchful eye and a positive spirit. Well, Kevin's condition continued to deteriorate and he's now on a ventilator. For the last couple weeks, his kidneys have been starting to fail. His organs are starting to fail. To make matters worse, Becky was laid off in the middle of all this. When I heard this story, I knew that as a church, we had to do something to come around this family. And there was one family in our church that said, we wanna put up 
$10,000, if the congregation will match it, then it makes $20,000. We know money can't fix everything, but that will help this family keep their house. So we gotta keep praying that God fully heals his lungs, that God fully heals his kidneys and his heart. But here's what we're doing as a church. We are gathering along this family. We're gonna walk with them through this. We're gonna provide for them groceries, anything that they need. Well, way to go, church. Last week when we gave, you all showed up and we were able to match that generous gift dollar for dollar. This last week, we were able to get those funds to Becky. And Becky is so excited. She's getting a room ready for Kevin. Let me tell you something even bigger than the money and bigger than what we're able to do financially. And it's that God has started to heal Kevin continues to improve. In fact, he's breathing on his own now. Uh, he's even able to talk on the phone now. So we want to praise God for that. The Brownsburg firefighter left the hospital Monday to the applause of friends, healthcare workers, and of course his wife, Becky. I couldn't believe that that was all for me. It was uh, humbling to see all those people, so many of them that I knew. We've been praying specifically for a firefighter, Kevin Byron, and we actually have a picture of Kevin getting out of the hospital this week. Now, he's still not out of the woods, so keep praying for Kevin. But what an answer to prayer. But what I'm seeing in both Kevin and Becky is this decision to say, in my frustration, I'll keep turning to God. What would you ask us to be praying about for you now? Uh, I don't know. That strength and endurance, I guess. Yeah. That's, I think that's what I need the most right now. Yeah. Yesterday, Connection Point Church in Brownsburg's uh, pastor, John Dickerson, put out this tweet, and I wanted to read it to you. It says this, You all gave generously when firefighter Kevin Byron was on a ventilator in an induced coma and at death's door. God answered your prayers to kill him and your generous gifts provided for his family to keep their home and to rehabilitate him. Kevin heads back to work. Our healthcare hero tonight has had a busy summer fighting fires and COVID-19. Please welcome all the way from station 133, the proud 133 in Brownsburg, Indiana, firefighter Kevin Byron. Kevin, welcome to the show. Hey, it's really good to be here. It's good to see you. You know what, Rob, with your permission, I would actually like to match that donation of 10,000 and give that to you as well, Kevin, if that's all right with you. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to say no to, to uh, really, it, it's a lot. And... Uh, you know, I, I think the grace of God, I think, uh, I think uh, the, the prayers from Connection Point and the support I got and supporting my family, I'm very, very grateful. And church, wherever you are, I hope you'll give God a hand for what he's done. Give yourself a hand as a church family. I don't know if you heard, maybe you saw it there at the very end of that video that Kevin Byron, he's now back to work and he got invited onto Jimmy Kimmel Live, the TV show. Rob Lowe was guest hosting and Rob brought on a TV actor who plays a firefighter on a TV show. And that firefighter had heard about the $10,000 gift from a family in our church matched by our congregation, and then he matched it, and it got matched again. I just love this chain, this series of miracles, most importantly, Kevin's healing, and how it all started with some promptings from the Holy Spirit, 
from so many of you and so many in our church family. You know, I remember when Kevin was not only on a ventilator, his lungs were failing because of COVID, but his heart was also an affibulation. It wasn't beating at the proper rate. And his kidneys were on dialysis. I mean, all his organs were failing. And those of you who were part of the weekly prayer that we had during that season, every Tuesday night we would gather for prayer, you all prayed and God healed Kevin's body. You all gave and God provided for his family and then continues to provide. Let me tell you the role of the Holy Spirit, not only in miraculously healing Kevin's body, but all along this chain of events. It started with a little nudge when I heard about their family. I thought, boy, we got to do something about this. And I reached out to someone else in our church leadership. And guess what? She said, I was thinking the exact same thing. And we thought that means the Holy Spirit is in it. So the next thing is I prayed and I said, God, who might be a family in our church that would put up the initial funds? And God brought a name to mind and I called that individual and we talked and he said, let me talk it over with my wife and I'll call you right back. Now I mentioned to him, hey, maybe if you guys are, you know, if God puts it on your heart, maybe if you put up $5,000, then the congregation could give and match it and we could give $10,000 to this family. He called me back about three minutes after I called him. He said, my wife and I prayed, we feel led by God with great clarity, we're supposed to give $10,000 and the church is supposed to match that. Who would have thought in that moment, that God would use that gift, that initial $20,000 to help the Byrons through that time, that later, a girl who grew up in Carmel, Indiana, who now works for the Jimmy Kimmel Live Show, would see one of you guys posting about Kevin, and it would strengthen her own faith as a believer living in LA, that she would reach out, that she would then share that with Rob Lowe and this other TV actor, and they would say, we also want to match the $10,000. Isn't God awesome? I love it. And all of this is happening because the Holy Spirit is alive. The Holy Spirit, every day he's waiting to guide us. And some days it's dramatic, like what we just saw or what we read in Acts 2. But a lot of days, it's the Holy Spirit giving you the power to close your laptop when you know you shouldn't be on it anymore. Or the power to hold your tongue when your spouse and you're in a disagreement. Or the power to go to your home group when you don't want to. Or the power to open the word of God. It's humble, quiet moments where the spirit often leads us. And I want to show you that here in Acts chapter 9. Now you remember the promise in Acts 1. That the church, once it was empowered by the Holy Spirit, would spread to Judea and Samaria. Now, let me give you a timeline here because, yes, there was that dramatic moment in Acts 2 when the Holy Spirit was these flaming tongues of fire and everyone speaking languages they don't know. But between Acts 1 and Acts 9, five years have passed. And in those five years, we don't have recorded a bunch of other times where all the believers were doing supernatural things. I mean, some of them did on occasion when the Spirit would empower them to do the work of God. Remember, that's why the Spirit's in your life, to empower you to do the work of God. Well, five years later, that group of 120 Christians, think about this, the brown and black dried blood of Jesus Christ was still on the paving stones of Jerusalem when those 120 believers were told, the spirit will come upon you and even though you don't have any resources, you'll spread my church to Judea, Samaria. Here we stand 2,000 years later 
And we know for a fact that the church spread to Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. But look at this, even five years later, and the Holy Spirit's not dramatically working through every single believer right now, it's in their individual lives, but the church continued to be strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. What did the Holy Spirit do for the believers? He strengthened them, he encouraged them. Where you need courage, where you need encouragement, where you need power, where you need strength, ask God to teach you to walk in his spirit. Let me give you three simple steps to begin learning how to do this. First, you obey what God already has clearly said. What are some of the things he's clearly said? Well, keep being part of church every single weekend. You know, keep reaching out, do the things that God has told you now. Because those believers, he said, wait in Jerusalem, they obeyed that. Secondly, gather with other believers. If you're not yet in a small group, I'm about to tell you how to get into one. Third, ask for the Spirit's power and direction. Say, God, I want this. I'm gonna do my best to obey you. I will keep gathering with your people. And I mentioned small groups because if you're not coming here on weekends, then you've gotta get in a small group. You've gotta be gathering with other believers. Even if it's online in Zoom, that's okay, but you gotta be gathering. Here's one of our Zoom small groups. We've got many, many small groups. Some of them meet by Zoom. Others of them meet like this in person and they spread out in garages and in backyards. If you're not yet in a group, I want to encourage you. Text the word group today. If you'll text the word group today, we actually have our small group staff and volunteers. You're gonna get a text back from a real person, not from a robot or a machine. And we will kind of concierge guide you. If you're a guy and you want to be in a group with guys or a woman in a group with women, if you're a couple, if you want to be in a neighborhood group, whatever kind of group best fits you, we have a group for you. I'm telling you guys, when the Holy Spirit broke into my life, it's because I was in a small group and you've got to be in a group. We know that winter's coming up. It's probably gonna be a difficult winter with COVID. You've gotta get in a group right now so that you're prepared and so that you can experience God like you haven't before. So text that word group today. I just don't want you to miss out. That's why I get passionate about this. Well, let me close by telling you my favorite picture of what it's like to be carried along by the Holy Spirit. When you read the word of God, the spirit is almost like a river. From Genesis to Revelation, in Genesis, the Holy Spirit hovers over the waters at creation. And the Holy Spirit moves all through history. Every century, every civilization, every empire, the Spirit of God is weaving and working and is an unstoppable force. Now, here's the thing. I used to think that the Christian life was all about me working hard. But what I've learned with the Holy Spirit is that the Spirit is actually the one who carries us along to do the work of God. Not only will he help you when you lack the power, but he'll just carry you along as long as you're asking for it. And it starts to look like this. It starts to look like canoeing or kayaking or even inner tubing when you're in a river that has a current and the current moves you along. The Holy Spirit wants to carry you along in the purposes of God. Now, I'm going to just show you three options. You're in one of these three places today in your life. There's the river of God's current when you're walking with his spirit. And if in this message you're saying, yes, God, I want that. I'm curious. I, I do want to be carried along by your spirit. Then you've already stepped into the river. Way to go. 
God's going to keep showing you one day at a time what to do. And I'd ask you to take this challenge for the week. Every day of this next week, say, God, I want to walk in your spirit. Show me what to do today. If you'll keep reading the word of God, if you'll gather with other believers in a small group, and if you'll ask God to carry you along, you'll start to experience what it's like to be in his current and he carries you. Now, very often we find ourselves on these other two river banks. We're not in the current when we're living in open sin and we know, yeah, I know God doesn't want me doing such and such, but I'm doing it anyway. That's called disobedience. And that means you're over here on this river bank. And that's why you're not feeling the surge and the movement of God in your life. Other times, and I've spent a lot of time on both these riverbanks, but over on this riverbank, I call the riverbank of self-effort, where you say, oh, I'm running God's direction. And instead of letting the current carry you along, you're hopping all over these rocks and you're like, I'm going God's direction, but you're doing it in your own effort. And you're just so tired and you're so fatigued. And that might be part of why you're feeling like I just can't anymore. Or my Goliath is just that I'm so tired. Time to step into the river. Let the spirit of God carry you along. Well, we've barely scratched the surface tonight, but here's what I know. If you'll join a small group and if you'll ask the spirit of God to teach you to walk with him, he will teach you. If you stumble a little bit, if you don't get it right away, that's pretty normal. Hang in there and you will learn and you'll start to feel God nudge you to do things and then empower you to do things you never could have done before. I'm going to pray that for you right now. Father, Lord, I, I have such a love that you've given me for each person who's watching this right now. Lord, you see what's going on in each one of our lives. Lord, you see the struggles, you see the Goliaths, you see the areas where we're trying, but we just feel like we can't. And Lord, we want to claim by faith this promise of the very spirit of God who's been given to us through Jesus' work on the cross. And that just like those believers in Acts chapter one, just like little David the shepherd boy, your spirit lives within us and is eager to empower us to do the will of God. Oh Lord, I pray that you would set a fire in our souls again, that your spirit would be fanned into flame, that you'd forgive us for quenching your spirit or stifling your spirit. Lord, make us men and women who are led by your spirit that we'd be stepping out in our schools, in our neighborhoods, in our relationships, that we would be taking risks for the kingdom of God as led by your spirit. And Lord, just like you showed us with Kevin Byron, how you miraculously healed him, how you've miraculously provided for him, use us to ignite chains of events that will bring healing to people, provision for people, and glory to Jesus' name. We pray it in his name. Teach us to walk in your spirit. Amen.